Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. A jam-packed show throughout with Trey Wallace, uh, Brad Lampley, another VFL uh, will be alongside. Clay Travis a bit later. Blake Bettingfield will join Paul Koharski uh, back in studio in Nashville. That's where PK is currently in the studios at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, it's going to be a great college football kickoff preview show here on OutKick. Nothing quite like football season, Hutton. And, hey, we've been walking around Knoxville today. They are fired up, ready to go. Uh, they just opened the doors here at Old City Sports Bar. They opened at 3 p.m. Eastern for us. We thank them for that. So hope to see some Vols fans, maybe even a few Ball State fans who made the trip maybe. down from Muncie, Indiana. I doubt many did that, but if they did, they're more than welcome to come to Old City Sports Bar today. We're going to have a good time. Paul, it's great in Knoxville. How is it in Nashville? Very nice, boys. Very nice. Uh, unusual to be sitting alone at the desk, but I will forge on, and I'm, I'm jealous that you're in a, in a bar setting, and my bar obviously is uh, outside these doors. <laughs> It's going, to, it's going to be a fun show. I know you've got Blake coming by, uh, talk uh, NFL and, and college scouting with a, a former head of college scouting for 19 seasons in the NFL. Uh, we're, we're going to hit all of the college games and previews throughout today's show, but we'll start with the big headlines, two of them in the NFL today, starting with Russell Wilson. Massive contract extension, new ownership for the Denver Broncos, and the first thing they do within a couple of weeks is extend Russell Wilson, a five-year contract, $165 million guaranteed for their new uh, franchise, face of the franchise. And um, he is now locked in long-term for uh, a good portion of the foreseeable, maybe the rest of his career. He's 33 years old. So the total deal, Paul, $245 million. But the key here is the guaranteed – this is not the fully guaranteed money where we thought we may see other quarterbacks cash in just like Deshaun Watson did. Yeah, we thought Deshaun Watson's deal was going to uh, start a chain where every quarterback was going to demand a fully guaranteed contract. Now, this is two uh, quarterbacks in a row that have not gotten that fully guaranteed contract. Kyler Murray did not get one. He's not of the same caliber, obviously, as Russell Wilson. Um, but now Russell Wilson hasn't gotten one. So I think it's safe to say the trend has not taken off. We do see um, that's apparently the big issue for Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. He's not his own agent. That's the most complicated quarterback deal out there. So we'll see what happens there. I don't think that deal's getting done, it doesn't sound like, in the next, um, what, uh, 11 days, 10 days. Um, and then, uh, you know, contracts like that don't get worked on, generally speaking, particularly if you're your own agent. Yeah. You're not heading for practice up to the owner's office um, to, uh, with a briefcase to, to work on your contract. But, uh, and, and it sounds more like he would go the Kirk Cousins route where he would work the franchise tag 
to his benefit uh, where you're running the risk of an injury getting in the way of your deal. But um, it looks like the fear owners had and, and fans had of uh, quarterbacks demanding fully guaranteed contracts because of what Deshaun Watson was able to do um, when he had four or five teams really pining for him as he got out of Houston, despite his legal troubles, uh, is not turning into a thing with quarterbacks around the league. I think that's a good thing, personally. Well, yet. I, I want to put yet. the word yet on yeah. that because I think age, age plays a factor in this. Deshaun Watson's 26 years old. Lamar Jackson's 25. And consider who's eligible after this upcoming season. Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Those are the guys who will demand the fully guaranteed money based on their age and talent, and they're about to get their second contract. Well, Joe you know, Burrow, also wonder Joe if, Burrow uh, is not going to get it, Chad, because Cincinnati doesn't have the finances to put yeah. that money in escrow, and that's been written about extensively. There was a piece at The Ringer lately about how Joe Burrow's contract's going to affect what they could do with their other players even because, because of big guarantees. Sorry, Chad. And, and the Chargers' ownership, too, probably won't be able to do yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't think so. And that, that's what I was going to bring up. It could be about franchise also because the only reason the Browns did this is because they thought that was the only way to get Deshaun Watson to sign off on living in Cleveland and playing for their team. So they had to come to the table with a guaranteed contract in order to make that happen. I'm curious what teams are either going to pull the trigger on a similar contract in fear that a Cleveland Browns-type organization out yeah. there would give them that on the open market, or just a team that says, hey, we haven't been very good in a long time, and we've got this quarterback. we got a chance to have him. We're going to do whatever it takes, so we will match a contract similar to that. I'm curious how much the nature of the franchise sets up with that. To me, the Denver Broncos would not be on the top of the list of a franchise that would need to go over and above in order to lure a quarterback to want to play for them like Cleveland had to. They've also got a new filthy rich owner, though, who could have put the money in escrow the way Cincinnati and and the Chargers probably cannot. I, I think it's less of an issue for some of these guys. If Joe Burrow looks at what Josh Allen did, if he looks at what Patrick Mahomes did, there's a way to craft a very lucrative, positive contract for yourself without having it fully guaranteed. Plenty of quarterbacks have done plenty well for themselves without that. I think it's more of a badge of honor for Deshaun Watson or a look at what I was able to do that nobody else has been able to do do, than it is a I am more fiscally sound than you are because these guys are damn good and we know that ultimately they're going to earn all of the money in those contracts. Joe Burrow's not going anywhere, and Justin Herbert's not going anywhere. So it's not a matter of them not uh, – Patrick Mahomes isn't going anywhere, but his contract likely gets redone right before he gets uh, to the back end of that contract, and that could be more financially feasible for him, even though his contract right now, Hut, right in the framework of what's happened since, doesn't look so hot. Yeah, but you're, uh, the guys you're mentioning, other than Watson, didn't – live in an era where guaranteed contracts were handed out this way. And a guy got it, and he was going to go 30 straight games nearly without playing, and he's still getting a fully guaranteed deal. So if I'm Burrow or Herbert, I don't care what, uh, what we saw in Buffalo or Kansas City. I, I know, based on precedent the, uh, and age and talent, where those guys rank with Watson. So I, I think they'll, they'll be leaning into 
the higher pay raise just to just to set the mark. But to get there, you've got to endure those two years of tags and all of that. There's there's a lot of red tape between your your contract conversation and getting to a point where you can say, well, screw this, I'll go somewhere where I could get fully guaranteed. Uh, Speaking of of contracts and reworking things, uh, the Titans reworked Derrick Henry's contract, made official today, I believe Ian Rappaport, the first to report this, a $2 million raise in total money which puts him at $14 million this season. That makes him the highest-paid running back in the NFL this year. And the way they've divvied this out, they didn't add any extra years to this other than voidable, voidable. years for cap purposes. And uh, his contract still expires technically after next season. But if he has another big year, he will cash in again just like he did today. $9 million signing bonus of this $14 million. $4 million base, and he gets a $1 million bonus if he's on the 46-man roster in 11 days when they take on the New York Giants, meaning as soon as that game kicks off, he's making a mill. Uh, th- this is them doing right by their, their bell cow, their star. And if anyone had any reservations that the Titans were going to decrease the usage of Derrick Henry, I- I've been preaching it all offseason, they will not use him any less than they did prior to his injury last year. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice gesture to him. They're, they're, he's getting $9 million signing bonus, so he's getting more money sooner. But he's not getting more money, it doesn't look like. And it takes his cap number this year down from 15, uh, uh, 15 I believe, to 9.8. So they're actually saving themselves accounting dollars, which is a good thing for them. They have uh, you know, more contingency room now. Uh, they can make a trade later on if, uh, if they so desire. And then they could push that money forward next year um, to help themselves out in, in free agency or with another uh, deal. Jeffrey Simmons is, uh, is, is going to get a contract if he doesn't get it in the next 10 days, which there's been no whispers of. But um, this is favorable for everybody. Um, and we'll see what the clock is on Derrick Henry based on the work he gets this year and the anticipated work next year. He's 27 now. At 29, I, I would feel more danger. But I, certainly I think you want to get uh, squeeze every drop out of them the next two years here. I anticipate like you do. That's exactly what their, their plan will be. Um, and then you, you consider the tread on the tires. Then, then I would be more prone to, to try to do short-term or year-by-year year if, if you could. And good for Derrick Henry. Get the, get the money up front. You're not getting bigger money. But um, at least you get, you know, well, it's Gary, get the money it, up, it's up, not his, up front. His old, his prior to today, nothing was guaranteed. Right. Yeah. The final two years of this contract, the guarantees have already been paid out. So he's getting $9 million plus a $2 million raise. And next year's contract will be new. They'll, they'll rework it just like they did today. I didn't have any doubt he was going to get that money, but you're right. It's nicer to have it guaranteed and certainly nicer to have it now. And so he gets to go start earning interest on that, investing it. And, um, and, and they get, uh, like I said, an accounting discount on, uh, on what the cap implications are of it. So uh, it's, a, it's a win-win uh, deal here. They have gotten a lot more comfortable uh, with voidable years, which is something they were staunchly against for a long, long time. So the economics of the game have changed in a way where they don't have a problem with it. But here they're pushing, um, you know, and it doesn't sound big, um, but uh, $5.4 million into 2024. So just imagine a scenario where he is done 
after two years. $5.4 million isn't a lot for 2024 and what we expect the cap to be, but they now have several guys who have voidable years, and you add all of that up, and there's a decent chunk of change, guys, on 2024. And they used to be staunchly against doing that. Now I guess it's anticipation of the cap being big enough that you're willing to mortgage a little uh, now for then. It's our college football kickoff preview today on OutKick 360. Uh, games tonight, of course, we're in Knoxville at Old City Sports Bar ahead of Tennessee and Ball State at Neyland Stadium. Uh, Chad, later we've got uh, Penn State-Purdue. I know well, you, you've news got out a, right a potential now. upset pick here. News out right now, huh? and I heard a rumor of this yesterday and couldn't get it confirmed. Harold Landry tore his ACL during practice on Wednesday. Mm. Tightens down a significant, significant pass rusher. Um, and uh, turn to Rashad, we- Rashad Weaver and uh, Ola Adeni. Uh, but that front four that keys the Titans' defense down a significant piece, he just got a big free agent contract in the offseason. That's, uh, that's not good a, news a for the Titans that, or, or Harold Landry. It, it sucks for Harold Landry, but they are deep at the position. Paul just rattled off the pass rushers that they have. Weaver has been very consistent. He's coming back from injury. Bud Dupree, the final month uh, of last year, it seemed like he was finally fitting in and feeling good about recovery from his ACL the year prior in Pittsburgh. So um, it, it's not great because they just signed Harold Landry to a big contract, but it's at a position where they can sustain and have production. Uh, Pitt is known for rushing the passer. We get the uh, backyard brawl today as well. It is back for the first time in 11 years Pitt in West Virginia later tonight. Can't wait. Uh, it's a shame. This is, it's been 11 years since we've seen this matchup. The two schools are 77 miles apart, Pitt and West Virginia. Game at Pitt tonight. I think this has the makings of a Pitt blowout in this game. Um, it's crazy to see two former West, or excuse me, two former USC starting quarterbacks <laughs> going head to head for Pittsburgh and West Virginia in this game with JT Daniels for West Virginia, Keaton Slovis for Pitt. Uh, but it's going to be a, a lot of fun. I know that's where ESPN College Game Day mm-hmm. is tonight leading up to that coverage. Fox has the big game we're going to be talking about with Purdue and Penn State. We're here at Old City Sports Bar, and a bunch of Ball State fans just dropped in. I said I didn't know how many made the trip, but uh, about seven of them just walked in the bar. So there you go. Fun note about Purdue and Penn State. This is the game that Fox traded to, uh, to ESPN, or ESPN traded to, to Fox, in exchange for allowing Joe Buck to leave his contract a year early. This is the game they picked up for the wow. ratings. Wow. Random. But college football will be dominant tonight uh, yes. on TV. We've got a great show lined up. PK's in Nashville. And about an hour from now, he will be joined by Blake Bedingfield to talk all things NFL and college scouting. That will be a can't-miss segment. When we come back, same, same exact thing. Heath Schuler will join us. Businessman former congressman and quarterback. He's Shuler with us on OutKick 360. It's our college football kickoff preview on the OutKick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience 
and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. It's Outkick 360's college football kickoff preview from Old City Sports Bar in Nashville, or in Knoxville, rather. Paul is in Nashville at 6th and Peabody. Kickoff tonight is in Knoxville as Tennessee takes on Ball State among the pack of games that will officially bring in week one of the college football season. Heath Schuler is our guest, former Vols quarterback, uh, served three terms in the House of Representatives. So we've got quarterback, congressman, businessman, uh, all things, man. Good to see you. <laughs> Great to see you guys. So excited about uh, being on the show. I mean, when Brad called me, I said, what do you mean? Would I do this show? Of course I'll do this show. I was talking to Brad Lampley, who's going to join us next, about the show, and I just happened to drop in there. You know, I'd like to get Heath Schuler on the show also, and Brad fires back and says, well, we actually tailgate together, so <laughs> I'll just bring him by. It'll be no problem. I thought, okay, great. I'm also previewing you coming on the show, Heath, and I said, the greatest quarterback to ever wear the number 21 in the history of football that I can think of. And I'm watching That's a highlights. Very small number. I'm, I'm, <laughs> watching, I'm watching highlights, though, of you in that number playing at, at Tennessee. And I'm thinking, Heath, why don't more quarterbacks wear numbers in the 20s? It, it looked terrific you with know, you on the field in Knoxville. Why the number great. 21? Well, I wish I could tell you it was a great story, and it was some wonderful number that I liked. But I moved up in high school from JV to varsity. And that was the only number available. So my high school coach threw me the jersey 21. There was never a question after that. I, he always gave me 21. Uh, and so I never looked back. Get to, you know, I show up for National Signing Day. David Cutcliffe shows up at my high school. You know, it wasn't this, you know, a lot of fanfare at that point in time. Shows up and there was the 21 jersey <laughs> with my number on. So I, I never escaped it, you know. And then I get to the NFL and I was like, yeah, I'd really like to wear 21. They're like, nah, not happening. <laughs> Can't, you know, yeah, can't, can't do it within the rules. One to 19. Yep. One to 19. So, um. uh, amazing. Because I'm thinking, you know that you were pretty heavily recruited. You could have requested a different number. <laughs> you didn't have to take the number 21 that Cutcliffe handed you. You know, I never thought about it. I, you know, I never looked at the number as being something that was, you know, dictated your performance. You know, I mean, you know, I remember when I went to Washington, they said, what number you want? And I, I looked at the equipment manager. I said, just give me one. I really don't care, you know. And so I ended up with five at that point in time. And then, you know, went to New Orleans was five to go to the Raiders. And I was nine, you know. I mean, And I never cared. I didn't care what number it was. But I kind of partial to the 21, though. I like that. It seems like things went a little better wearing that jersey number. Hey, it, <laughs> it stood out for sure. So did your play. Uh, from Bryson City, North Carolina, uh, Chad mentioned heavily recruited. How did you end up at Tennessee uh, ultimately and, and – it, you mentioned Cutcliffe's there on, on signing day. Yes. Uh, I'm sure that's a big reason why. It was. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I had a great recruiting visit to uh, Alabama at the time, and, and Gene Stallings was there. And, you know, 
what an incredible gentleman he was. And, and uh, Woody McCorvey recruited me from the area, and he was like, look, I'm not going to guarantee you anything, but I will guarantee you this. We will win the national championship your sophomore year. Well, it's exactly my what sophomore happened. year yeah. won the national championship. I mean, so, but I mean. Yeah, For oh, those I who could, get confused by all the national championships yeah. Alabama's yeah. had, 1992 <laughs> was, in fact, one of those national it titles. It was, yeah. And so, but uh, my dad was a mailman, you know. I mean, growing up, I mean, and he, sometimes he had to work on Saturdays. And so there was only one way. I mean, we didn't have the money as a family to, yeah. to be able to afford him driving and spending the night or maybe two nights in Tuscaloosa. So, you know, an hour and 45 minutes he was here. And, you know, and, and growing up, I mean, Swain County, Bryson City, Western North Carolina, that's Tennessee fans. It's all Tennessee fans there. So it was a great opportunity to kind of feel like I was still playing at home and my parents and family could come watch me play, not to mention the fans were just incredible. So that was literally, you, you remember the conversation with your dad, like, I want you to be able to come see the games. And I that do, was, yeah. that was, mean, that was the part of it, yeah. Yeah, that was it. I mean, it was, that was a part of it. And, you know, I mean, you know, family has to come first, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, and thus the reason I've moved from Asheville, North Carolina, Western North Carolina, to Knoxville because of family. I mean, it's uh, my son's here. He's playing ball. Um, you know, I've got my mom lives in town. My dad lives in in, uh, in the state of Tennessee, and and we have about sixty other family members. So I moved back. You know, you'd think I, we all grew up in North, all of us grew up in North Carolina. Now we've all moved to Tennessee. So I'm I'm getting ready for the interview today, and I'm I'm thinking I need to go back and watch some old Heath Shuler footage <laughs> at Tennessee, and I watch a game against Louisville in 1993 in early November. Jeff Brom, who's now yes. the head coach of Purdue, right. yes. is the quarterback for Louisville. You guys won easily that day. <laughs> and I'm watching the offense, Heath, with, with you at quarterback, and I'm thinking some of the things that's being done it has been done a lot before, and you see it a lot more now, but it seemed unique at the time right. with how David Cutcliffe and how Philip Fulmer helped design an offense around your skill set watching some of your runs in that game and design runs for you. Right. Did you feel like your, the offense was unique at the time? Well, it really was because, I mean, we'd go five wides. You know, we'd run five wides, spread the ball, throw the ball around, and we'd get in the red zone. We'd keep same personnel and go directly to a speed option. And so with having some incredible running backs, a great offensive line, it was really hard to kind of defend us offensively. You know, up until this last year, we had all of the, you know, the Tennessee records, the offensive records, you know, the points in a season, you know, the yardage, and we were as balanced as anyone. We averaged over 200 yards rushing, over 200 yards passing. So we were very balanced, but we utilized some of those same skill sets. But, you know, hats off to David Cutcliffe. I mean, he's, he was like, I was an option guy in high school, like to throw it around, but, you know, be honest with you, I, guys, I was a running back, and they just put me at quarterback. And, you know, it was because I maybe wasn't quite fast enough to be a, a starting tailback in college football. But for, for those listening, when he's discussing five wide, I mean, you were five wide before teams were going five wide, right? Yeah, yeah, there was only the run and shoot offense was the only other, you know, that would go five wides. And, you know, we had our, our running backs were so diverse, and they could catch the ball so well that, you know, put them in the routes, I mean – it was so easy for us, and so, you know, we, um, you know, we had sometimes we'd have a hard time stopping the other <laughs> the other offenses, but offensively, we were super super strong at that point in time. Reminds me of another Tennessee team. We'll see tonight. <laughs> yes. Well, and that, you know, that's what I'm thinking. At the time, it, it felt innovative, and I know that every coach steals something from coaches before them. Right. But then I watch Josh Heupel's offense at Tennessee and the pace with which they play, and I'm thinking, man, Heath Shuler would have been good in this offense too. 
playing as fast I would, I would as they love do. This offense. And it's it's yeah. just such it's such quick reads every time. It is snap the ball and it's it's maybe two or three looks most of the time, but yep. you're going fast and you know that. It's fast break. If you're a part point guard in basketball, you can play quarterback in this this type system. Here's what I here's what people don't talk about about this offense. I, I truly there's a lot of skill sets out there. You can throw the ball, you know, you can run the ball, but there's always one thing that separates your better quarterbacks, and that's that mental part of the game. But it's also the mental part of every other player that's playing. If you throw the ball and it's a bad pass or a drop ball or the left tackle whiffs, and you get in the huddle, he's now spent about 35 seconds thinking about how horrible that last play was. So mentally what happens, it's hard to bring back your confidence. But in this offense, you can throw a bad pass. Because the next play is happening so quick, you don't have time to dwell upon it. So that mental part of your game, your confidence level stays up more than it would. It, there's not as much ebb and flow in a fast-paced offense because there's so much mentally to think about. You do not have time to think, oh, my gosh, that, you know, that, that, that was the worst ball I've ever thrown, right? So now you're, you're fast break. You're on to the next one. So you keep that confidence level up. I've never even thought about the psychological aspect of it, but you're spot on right with that. I also watch it, and I think you mentioned basketball in a fast break. Uh, it's really great for team building in that you have to be on the same page. Yes. Right? I mean, it is going so fast that everyone must know exactly what's happening. And I know at times it can be very simple with what they're doing, but it also feels like kind of a setup at times. It's going to be a couple quick passes, and then that's setting up the bomb at some point. But being on the same page receiver quarterback, you had that at at Tennessee, but it's got to be exponentially even more than that when you're snapping the ball this quickly. It does. You know, and and I've got that insight with having a son in the system. I mean, he's like, you know, look, Dad, the most important thing is that you have to be on the same page because – you know the the routes will your your routes are going to be dictated by you know the coverage in which your your defense gives you. So you're going to be able you're going to set down earlier because the backer didn't take his proper depth, right? So you got to be on the same page to be able to get the ball out quicker. You know a blitz off the off the off the edge. Then you got to make sure that your outlet pass is prepared, ready, and and that happens in a lot of offenses. But with this offense, you don't have time to point and and yeah. do all the pointing and set who the mic backer is. You're moving so fast, it's a reaction time and oftentimes I think reaction is better for all players rather than having to think through a long drawn out process if this happens then what I do if okay if then this happens then I need to perform a different way this fast break offense it it it, it, it's not simple but it simplifies the best the it simplifies in the fact that you can get the ball out quicker and you're going to get the ball to the guys that actually can do a lot with it once they touch the ball and get the ball in their hands. Heath Schuler, our guest on Outkick 360, uh, Heisman runner-up in 93. Do you have a good story from that night? <laughs> I, the best story was, oh, first of all, I got to meet one of my childhood heroes, which was Earl Campbell. And, you know, former Heisman oh, Trophy yeah. down oh, in yeah. Texas. I mean, that was – so to meet Earl Campbell was the great. He is one of a kind. He is one of the greatest. And so that was that was incredible. You know, ironically enough, O.J. Simpson was the host that night. Wow. You know, so okay. that, <laughs> that kind of gives you a little wrinkle. So that was a little interesting, you know, later in life. Um, but the, the, the odd thing is they, they put us up there at the Downtown Athletic Club in, in New York City. Well, 
I thought it was going to be a nice place. You're only expecting you're in New York City, you're going to get only the best, right? Heisman Trophy. First of all, the seat had a tear in it. They had to put <laughs> duct tape on it right before we went on. The other thing is they, um, the window was broken in our hotel room, and my brother and I were staying in the same room. And we literally had to take the drapes down off the, and stuff it in the window because it was snowing through into the room. <laughs> oh my gosh. And we absolutely froze to death that night. I mean, it was the coldest night ever that you could – I mean, there was no heat in the room. There was no nothing. So It's how you know also it's pre-internet because I yeah. feel like that story today would be it huge. It would have been blown up. Yeah, who could you Heisman tell? Heisman Trophy runner-up <laughs> catches pneumonia because the hotel window is broken. And, you know, damn the cheap NCAA and the Heisman committee and – There'd be about 50 think pieces written yeah. on it immediately. Well, I think they went belly up, didn't they, or something like yeah, that happened the, to them? Well, I think they went belly apparently. up. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can see why. They may have already been belly up uh, back in 1993. Where, so did you prepare a speech that night, or are you like, did you go thinking that you weren't going to win? <laughs> well, let's just be honest. I mean, you know, you win the national championship. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're the front runner. I mean, and, and plus, I mean, you know, yeah, I knew I was going to come in either second or third, but, I mean, it looked, you know. Yeah, I didn't prepare a speech. Oh, okay. No, I was going to no, ask you no. if you still had it. No. <laughs> I wonder if, you, get, if, if you didn't prepare the speech, if it, you get a yeah. little bit nervous right as they're about to say yeah. the name. I did. And you're I thinking, thinking, what if they say my name, I'm not chance? ready. Yeah. yeah, what's that outside chance? Then what am I going to say? Yeah, it was – I did have that feeling as I'm sitting there. And, you know, I think I went through kind of, okay, here's who I'm going to think. And, you know, your coaching staff, your parents. I mean, I went through that. But, no, nah, it was – I didn't think it was going to happen that night. Heath, I've always heard that a part in – I want to bring this up to clarify. You you declared early after your junior year for the league because you didn't want to play for the expansion teams in Jacksonville or Carolina that were on the horizon. Is that true? That was a part of it. I mean, you know, let's just be honest. At that point in time, you know, that was kind of a life-changing for my family. Yeah. And, you know, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't afford the life insurance policy to kind of protect that you know, that, yeah. that investment, if you would, at that yep. point in time. So, you know, since then, you know, those rules where the college helps, uh, you know, helps those athletes and it had changed after that. And I think that that kind of started the whole thing because, you know, we couldn't afford it. And I didn't want my parents to go ahead. You know, they would have had to, you know, get a second mortgage on their home. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I was like. For you to play one more year. For me to play one more year, you know, to, in order to get a, a $2 million life insurance, uh, you know, uh, uh, insurance policy with Lloyds of London, on my, you know, my body, if something were to go wrong. So, I mean, that to me was at the very top of the list because I did not want my parents to go through it. I had every reason to stay. That was at the top. The other was had a little bit to do with that expansion. If you'd looked at all of the things, and, you know, I talked to Steve Young during that time. I mean, we had some of those conversations. You know, those, those individuals who had gone to those expansion teams and how difficult it was, look at their record, look at their quarterback statistics, and it was dismal. And so that was awful. But I'm being a North Carolina guy. It was almost enticing that, hey, if things change, I could go play for, you know, for, for, Carolina. Yeah, for the Carolina Panthers. He's Schuler with us on Outkick 360. Three terms in the House of Representatives. Uh, will, uh, I'm going to put the ball on the tee here. Will you, <laughs> will you set up the, the rooming situation in, in D.C.? There was like a house or something. Oh, my gosh. And who your roommates thing. were? Yeah, so, I mean, I was the lone Democrat in that, that house. I mean, um, um, 
you know, was, uh, you also may be the first Democrat to appear on Outkick. So congratulations, <laughs> we're making first here today, boys. Good well, job. You know, I kind of feel. I mean, thank you, know, you by I, the way. I, I was always that guy that I didn't care what the po- I didn't care who introduced the policy. When I left Congress, I voted fifty percent of the time with Democrats, fifty percent of the time with Republicans. I did not want that. I never intended yeah. that to be. But I voted. Which, for by the, the way, is how it should be. That's you know, you here's should, why you I should vote at. with your constituency and you should vote with what you think and not along not, party line. I'm 100 no percent with you. No party has 100 percent of it right. Yeah. You know, my wife and I don't always agree, but we find compromise and we come together and we do those. You know, I mean, so, you know, it was great. I mean, you know, Zach Womp, you know, from the state of Tennessee brought me into uh, to the house there and uh, uh, Jim DeMint from South Carolina. Um, uh John uh, Enzen from Nevada at the time. I mean, we had, you know, we had a great group of guys that were actually involved. And, and you know, it was a, around the National Prayer Breakfast where I chaired that uh, as a, a co-chair of the National Prayer Breakfast. Kind of one of the great things when, you know, it's not your voters, but when your, your colleagues say, hey, we want you to be the, the chair of the National Prayer Breakfast. To me, that was one of the greatest honors. I love the house. I mean, it could not have been a, a, a better place for, for me to spend my time, fellowship with the guys, enjoy the, the friendship. Um, to me, that was one of the greatest nights. We met on Tuesday nights. They still meet on Tuesday nights. And I get to go back. There's, you know, and it's just, um, to me, that was a highlight. I miss that a whole lot more than I do a lot of the other things that I was able to <laughs> see in Washington. Oh, so you're not missing everything, <laughs> right? No. Uh, yeah, you get to go to the ball walk today, and your son will be walking through for the first time. Yeah. How cool. You know, that, that'll that be emotional. You know, I mean, to watch him walk the ball walk and then come through the tee. You know, I mean, I, I sent him a voice message today. You know, I was, instead of texting, I wanted, to hear, I wanted him to hear my voice. And I told him, I said, I, I sent first. I said, "Do not listen until you're sitting in your locker." Because wow. he's sitting okay. in my, you know, essentially my locker because we wear the same jersey, you know. So he chose to wear 21, and he wasn't That's a awesome. 21 guy. He chose, to, you know, and Coach Heupel threw it to him and says, "Hey, there's only one guy that I know what number as a transfer is getting," and he threw it to him, and and uh, he'd already had a conversation. He said, "Do you, you want to wear your dad's number?" So I, I, you know, I told him, you know, a you know how much I love him, and how awesome it is because I we held a birthday party here that we snuck in on the stadium athletic department let us in. I think he was six years old, and his his uh, baseball team we came here and he got to technically run through the tee like they were thinking oh, yeah. coming through the yeah. tee right right. So I told him I said remember that day and remember how and you he wore my jersey one of my old jerseys awesome. at that point in time is all the way down to past his knees. And I just told him, I said, you know, this has been a time of your life. I mean, this moment is what you have been dreaming. And take it all in. Enjoy every aspect about it. And, and he understands what it is to run through the tee a whole lot more than I did the first time I ran through the tee. Because of his experiences yeah. and his knowing experience your and stories of yeah. this. Yeah, yes. I mean, he, you know. And it's going to mean a lot more to him growing absolutely. up with yeah. you as his dad, for he, sure. He knows what it is yeah. to, and what people, you know, the fans would always ask me my freshman year, some, oh, what's it going to be like to run to the tee? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, it was, but once you do it, you never, ever, ever forget that feeling. Thanks for doing this, Ethan. Yeah. Thank this you, awesome. guys. Awesome. Glad I could join you. What are you up to nowadays? 
So I've got a consulting firm that we do. So we do uh, international and business consulting, uh, government relations, public relations firm, integrated strategy group. So we got that. And then I still do real estate. I mean, real estate's a love for me. So, you know. It's a renaissance all, always man. Do, always doing the real estate side. Businessman, <laughs> congressman, quarterback. Heath Schuler has been our guest. Good to see you, man. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. Great to see you guys. Appreciate you. Great yeah, having Heath on. Brad Lampley joins us next. Not only did he play college football for Tennessee, he's also the Outkick 360 attorney. Yes. And he sits Officially. in his chair when we come back <laughs> on Outkick 360. Very coming up. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Week one of college football is here. It is Outkick 360's college football kickoff preview show in Knoxville at Old City Sports Bar. Ready to go for tonight's game with Tennessee at Ball State. Others we're going to preview later in the show. Trey Wallace will be with us in about 15 minutes from right now from Outkick.com. Brad Lampley with us on set here now. Former Vols O-Lyman, VFL, and uh, show's attorney. <laughs> we, What's up, man? We, we go from the Heisman runner-up to the guy that came in first place in the Brentwood Steak Cook-Off. I mean, that's, but I got a trophy for mine. Hey, I mean, it's in my office. My wife won't let me keep it at home. But that's I a tough championship to win, it's, though, is, uh, what, yeah. is what I hear. One of the judges came up and said, that's the best steak I've ever had. And I said, I know. That's tough. <laughs> tough competition. Which is, it's a problem. Not Sorry. as tough as representing us <laughs> in anything, but tough. It's, it's still very, and meanwhile, very tough. All, all my partners at Adams and Reese are still back at the office in Nashville mad that, that they're having to work and I'm over here. But, uh, <laughs> hey, you know, this is client development, guys. That's, the way That's it works. right. Brad, you, I would describe you as a guy who always errs on the side of caution as an attorney with your, <laughs> with your legal background and, and the work that you do. You kind of uh, have to. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, you know, you, you've got a son, much like Heath Schuler's got a son playing at the University mm-hmm. of Tennessee. You've got a son who's, who's going to be playing, seeing time in games at, at Tennessee on the offensive line in Jackson. Um, we're here with Spire Sports today. Mm-hmm. We've seen NIL blow up in the last year, year and a half. They're on the cutting edge of what's going on here at Tennessee. As the cautious Brad Lampley attorney, uh, and also maybe even not that, what are, your, what are your thoughts of all this? I think NIL is the best thing to happen in college sports in some time. And, and, and the people that still argue against it, I just I don't understand it. The players, there is so much money in this. You think about the Big Ten TV package that's going to happen where every single school is going to get $100 million a year. 
as, as a revenue distribution. I mean, that's just it's crazy. So the players have got to be able to get some of that. Think back some of the violations we've seen over the years. A player at Georgia that didn't have the money to take his girlfriend out for pizza, so he sold one of his jerseys. And remember, yeah. that was like a six-game suspension. I can't remember who it was. A.J. Green. It was A.J. Green. That's yeah. right. And, and, and so stuff like that, you think about how crazy that is. So I think NIL is a good thing. And, um, you know, it's obviously you hear about the big money deals and so forth. But what has been a really good thing about it is some of these young men, it just gives them an opportunity to do things and see things that they would not otherwise. I'll give an example. I mean, we had a group of football players from Tennessee this spring. Jackson was one of them. It was probably a handful of players. They went from Dixon to Jackson to Paris in three days and worked three different football camps for kids across the state. And it was an NIL thing, but at the same time, those players were able to go see those other parts of the state, experience that, you know, and really begin to develop those relationships. And frankly, it meant a lot to the little kids that they were working the camp. So that's the good part about NIL that nobody really talks about. And my prediction is, is over time, as, as the market begins to kind of reach a point of equilibrium, we'll start to see you know, where some of the big deals go away and, and, and more and more of these, you know, the good things is what kind of pops up, I think. Well, I think you're in such a unique perspective to talk about all this mm-hmm. because you also played here at Tennessee and you played with a guy who would have been a gazillionaire in oh, NIL and yeah. yeah. Peyton Manning yeah. at Tennessee in his time yeah. here. And a lot of the thought is, well, and I think this is, it, it's less about the kids making money off their own name, image, and likeness that people have a problem with. They start pointing to, well, what if this happens? Yeah. What if someone gets the money and they stop playing hard? Right. What if it causes some problems within the locker room because one guy's making more than the other? What if coaches now feel like they have to give a guy enough to, a, a number of touches because of NIL? You know, all that goes into it also. Yeah. But from what you've seen, do you feel like college football players right now are playing less hard <laughs> because they're making money in NIL? Do you see – problems in the locker room arising from it what's your perspective you on could it? eventually see problems in the locker room if, if if i am you know the backup defensive end and the guy in front of me is getting a eighty thousand dollar a year deal or hundred thousand dollar a year deal and i'm out playing him every single way you know and I, i've got nothing you could see issues that kind of thing but what i do see is, is this Kids are going to play hard, and they're going to play much, much harder if they realize that the better they play, they're creating value for themselves. You hear Nick and Kirby talk about that all the time, creating value for themselves. They're not talking about the NFL anymore. They're talking about NIL deals as well. I know that the better I perform, the more opportunities are going to come to me. It's, it's the same reason that Peyton Manning and Tom Brady do all these commercials, and maybe a, a guy that had a cup of coffee as a punter in the NFL is not doing any commercials for anybody because they've created all that value, and that's just the way it works. Here's the flip side to it that I don't think anybody understands. You know, college kids can do things that are incredibly stupid sometimes. And so what if you go out and, you know, have a few too many and, and decide to get in a fight or something like that if somebody's run, running their mouth? Right now, you know, before, you would probably say, okay, I might get a couple-game suspension, but it's going to be all good. But you do something like that now in the, in, the, in the era of NIL, all of a sudden that's going to hit you in your pocketbook, you know, because a company is not going to want to sponsor or support somebody that's doing things like that. So I think, to me, the, the, the positives far outweigh all the drawbacks. Brad Lampley, our guest on OutKick 360. I'm trying to look in the future a bit here. Do you think we get to a point where we have a players' union in college athletics, in college football. Sean Clifford in Penn State, yeah. they're, they're discussing it already. Yeah. I've been watching the that. The TV deals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the $100 million a season in the Big Ten for every school. Yeah. The players don't get any of that. Right. Do you think we get to a point where they do? 
it would not shock me. I, I think the SEC would be the last conference to do that just because that's just, you know, that's the way it's always been. We, we, we're not always the cutting edge and things like that. But, but it wouldn't shock me. I mean, if you'd asked us five years you know, ago, would you ever have this thing called NIL or the transfer portal, we'd have said you were crazy. Right. So, so I, I, you can see it going in that way. Eventually, I think there's going to be some guardrails put in by Congress and, and, and so forth, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, all this really stemmed from that NCAA decision, you know, last year, the Supreme Court decision in the Austin case. And if you haven't read that, you don't have to be a lawyer to read it. It, it is a fascinating case. And I would encourage anybody to take a look at it because it kind of explains where we're headed. And, and, and you know, to you know, answer your question. And I think the best analogy to use for that case, if you really want to want to know, is that the NCAA, you know, the Supreme Court basically, let's use pro wrestling jargon for a moment. The NCAA basically got body slammed by the Supreme Court, okay? And it is what it is. Kavanaugh, in his concurrence, came off the top rope. And, and, and that's exactly what happened to the NCAA. And that, that concurrence really has started a chain of events to where we are now. So who knows where we could go? I, I'm, I'm telling John, I, I think that's, that's imminently possible. Is it going to be like a Penn State example where it's going to start inside and spread out, where it takes one yeah. team to figure out how to pull it off? It will. And then if they have that model, then the Big Ten – does it and then it spreads out to all of college sports i think you just gave the playbook i think that's (laughs) what will happen yeah and are are we close to that happening with a a single school or are we still way a ways off you know i don't have a i have i followed the penn state one a little bit i mean we're probably still a couple or three years away from seeing that there but where it's going to get real is when that tv money starts to hit for the big 10 and then of course the sec never wants to be outdone so so you can see that big money coming along the line with the sec as well at some point final 60 seconds Mm -hmm. how excited are you for year two of josh heupel man i'm so excited you know this this the culture on this staff and this team is just and and you see it from the kids that that come in from other places jackson tells me this all the time guys in the locker room that have transferred from places like mississippi state nebraska and florida but man you guys it's just a different vibe in this locker room it really is and you guys play for each other you love each other that's what's really cool uh, I'll tell you what else is cool tonight is, is going to be watching a guy like Keith Shewer sit there with tears in his eyes when the number 21 with yeah. the Shewer jersey runs from yeah. the tee because I still get choked at it when I see number 50 out there. I get, I get chill bumps now just thinking about it and as a dad, and it'll be really cool seeing him come back and having that experience. So there's just a lot of good things. Man, if we can just start out hot and get going, man, this place is – this place, the roof is going to come off of it as the season goes along. I, I, I can't wait. I, it's just a, it's that time of year. You can't, you can't beat it. Lampley's headed to a tailgate, and before that. <laughs> and a cigar. Yeah, yeah. smoke them if you got them. State fans smoke them if you got them today. Ball State fans already smoking there cigars. Are, They're getting on the way early before, before the game. <laughs> hey, man, always a pleasure. You, Absolutely. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank, Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks. Don't just bill getting us. started. Don't bill us. Yeah. No, don't This is not a billable hour. Good. Coming up, we've got Trey Wallace from Outkick.com on site with us at Old City Sports Bar. We're going to pre you the SEC slate that's coming up this weekend for week one and from there Blake Bedingfield will join uh, PK back in the studio in Nashville Clay Travis on site here with us in the final hour later in today's program for our college football kickoff preview glad you're with us on Outkick 360.